over the next several weeks, I'm going to be doing a spotlight on MPAC's leadership team. We'll be talking to um, MPAC's uh, current president and the person who's led our business development efforts since the very beginning, uh, Gwen Gola. We'll then speak with uh, Mike Wills, serves as MPAC's uh, CFO. We'll also reconnect with uh, Dr. Canone, who we spoke with uh, back in 2019 when he first joined us. We'll get his thoughts on what's taking place um, in the senior care space. And we'll wrap up with, um, with Haley, our uh, newest member of the leadership team, who joined us back in September as our chief operating officer. Look forward to speaking with them and to um, sharing with all of you some of their thoughts about you know why they joined MPAC and what they see, um, what they're excited about. So look out for those podcasts to come, like I said, over the next several weeks. So we're here with uh, Dr. Sean Canone, MPAC's chief medical officer, to pick his brain on um, one, his background, to why he joined MPAC um, in the first place back in, in 2019. And um, maybe, you know, as importantly, uh, what um, what excites him about where we are and and what we're doing as a company. So with that, Sean, thanks again for agreeing to do this and sitting down with me again. I think for everyone's benefit, it'd be really, really great to hear. As I said, I, I always enjoy hearing your background, which is unique, sort of how you got into kind of the long-term care space to begin with. And maybe let's start there. Yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, it's great to be talking with everyone. And uh, for those who ha I haven't met yet, uh, my virtual door is always open. Please feel free to reach out, email. I'd love to connect with you and uh, and just uh, get to know everyone in the company as, as well as I can. Um, I'm really happy to be here. It has been, yeah, coming up on, I think it's been four years now. Yeah, 2019. And my journey to MPAC was uh, an interesting one. I I grew up in a, uh, a home of a physician. My father was a family practice physician and uh, was, did nursing home uh, way back in the mid 1970s, back when nursing homes were not exactly what they are today. They were rest homes and people went there and they typically lived a long time and, uh, and, and didn't have nearly the clinical complexity that we have now. There was not nearly as much dementia because lifespans were shorter and and so it was a very different um, thing and adjunct to his practice. I always loved going to work with him and and meeting the people and 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 really liked the way that he developed relationships with people and and families and and so I chose to uh, after uh, uh, ruminating for quite a while on what I would do as a physician. I I, I thought I was going to go down the path of ophthalmology and. And in the end, I decided I wanted to, to do what my father had done and went into family medicine and, and quickly kind of specialized in geriatrics and was in a traditional family practice setting for a very short amount of time. I, I just uh, really wanted to be out in facilities. I didn't want to be on the treadmill of uh, office-based practice and, and, um, and they weren't really giving me an opportunity to do nursing home medicine, which is really what I wanted to do. And so I, I started a company uh, way back in 2000 and my dad and I became partners actually and uh, 
right off the bat, um, he was medical directing uh, 12 nursing homes at the time and co-medical directing another 12. And uh, there was a, a real lack of uh, proven experienced medical directors at that time. He was certified through AMDA. And so I kind of got thrown into the deep end very quick um, from the medical director standpoint and learned to appreciate that role quite a bit and, and had a very active nursing home practice for many, many years. I, uh, along the way, found out that I had a little bit of an aptitude for, for teaching, which I really enjoyed doing, although I think I failed speech class in college, which is kind of ironic, but um, I started doing a lot of uh, teaching just on geriatric medicine, specifically on, on prescribing and reducing risk through prescribing. Uh, those kind of morphed into risk management type talks and um and along with this, we were helping during the malpractice crisis of the early 2000s to defend a lot of nursing homes in, in medical legal cases and probably uh, helped in maybe about 100, 125 cases. So I got to see that side of it as well. And it really helped me to frame the way that I educated. And, and um, ultimately, that caught the eye of a colleague of mine. I was do, uh, speaking at a, at a national conference and... Um, a couple of years after we had reconnected there, he reached out and asked if I'd be willing to make a, a shift in my career and come to Envision Healthcare and one of their subsidiaries uh, in the in the it was based in the Dallas market. And uh, I live here in Northeast Ohio, and I always have. And I was able to commute to Dallas. It was a long commute some days, and actually there were days when I would fly down in, on the 5 a.m. flight and uh, fly back the same evening, if you can believe that. Uh, but um, it was a lot of fun. It was another side of healthcare I'd never seen. It was a, we had a very, very large, um, actually the largest in, in the country, um, provider group, physician um, uh, staffing company in the country for hospitals and EDs primarily. Uh, they also had telehealth and a variety of other specialties. And then we had a sister company that was the largest EMS uh, transport company in the country operated in, I think, 48 states. And, um, and that was amazing to kind of see that world. And we uh, were the 911 providers for most of the state of Texas, had a FEMA contract for natural disasters. And so just to kind of see that side of, of medicine was very interesting, the whole paramedical side of medicine. And we put uh, a lot of those key resources from those two companies together and stirred it up in a pot and developed a population health model that uh, we would sell to health plans. And um, we took first dollar risk with health plans and uh, state level populations. We operated in, uh, with 100,000 patients in Florida uh, near the end of my time there and really had phenomenal success with a, a patient-centric mobile integrated healthcare model that was just uh, really um, innovative and, and really uh, had a promising future ahead of us, except that our parent company went through a merger, a, a big Wall Street merger, and and the company that came in and the new CEO decided that they didn't want to be in the pop health space and didn't want to be in the transport space. And so they started kind of closing down and selling off these entities. And ours was closed down. And at that point, I didn't know what I was going to do because that was really a, a job I really enjoyed. And it was through some connections I had made there that I ultimately made the connection with Tim here at MPAC uh, through a roundabout. 
a set of circumstances, we began to talk and and uh, I decided to come to Chicago and meet with him and Mike and kind of hear what MPAC was all about. And uh, I can honestly say it was a very similar feel to what I have had the first day that I walked into Evolution Health in Dallas. It was an environment where there was optimism and energy and there was smiles. And I, you know, there it's very rare to find smiles in healthcare these days, especially. Um, and to find uh, that combination of kind of an innovative spirit and um, and and just uh, joy in what you're doing and feeling a real passion for the space that I've invested my whole life in was really something I wanted to connect with. So I uh, began the journey here in 2019 and have done some other things uh, simultaneously. I've worked here in Ohio as the state medical director for Optum's iSNP plan. So I've learned a lot about the kind of that side of it, the health insurance side uh, of Medicare Advantage plans and the value-based health. And also for a health system, large health system here in Northeast Ohio, where I oversee our post-acute quality network. And, and we have an ACO of about 500,000 members and, and uh, I have some fantastic colleagues here that I've learned from. And it's really helped me to understand the hospital side of and the health system side of, of healthcare. So I feel like I've I've just about been in every possible aspect of healthcare and um, had some opportunities during the pandemic to get even more involved in the governmental side. I did some things with uh, with FEMA and with um, uh, CMS, uh, with uh, the World Health Organization, and uh, in terms of kind of framing some of the the uh, the policy around how we we're going to address nursing homes and support nursing homes in the early phases of the pandemic. So that was really neat. I got to meet Seema Verma, uh, who came in from CMS, and and uh, it was just it's just been a, an amazing professional ride, I guess. But I really really enjoy being here at MPAC and uh, and really uh, believe in in our mission and our vision and, and what we're doing every day. Phenomenal background, and and I'm glad you brought up the um, the role you played specifically in the state of Ohio and the World Health Organization through the pandemic, because the input that you would bring to our calls and 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 help us craft policies was incredibly instrumental in helping us navigate and keeping our providers, you know, safe and and continuing to provide the much needed, even more so needed, medical and mental health care. Uh, to the patients that we have the privilege to serve um, was absolutely, you know, critical. And, and, you know, you were a guiding light for, for me and the rest of the team as well. So <clears throat> that, that role that you got to play and help, you know, so many folks out in Ohio, we obviously leverage as well. So um, could not be more thankful for that. And um, now being on the other side of that, um, as, as we've talked about a lot, there was tremendous growth and demand for our services coming out of, out of COVID. Um, we have obviously a very robust medical program, a very robust mental health care program, and and working on a couple of other things. Um, what what is it about <clears throat> what we're doing today that keeps you engaged and excited? Um, maybe as excited or more excited than you were when you first joined us. Yeah, that's a loaded question. I may need some time <laughs> on that one, but uh so let me just start by saying when I when I first met uh, with Tim and Mike way back in 2019, I, I had some ideas about, you know, obviously the space and I, I really, 
I've, I've dedicated my, my professional life to this nursing home space and hospice home health, um, home-based care, uh, assisted living, independent living, all these kind of long-term care environments. And so what, what I knew is, especially from coming from evolution, that when you have a very decentralized company where you're spread out maybe over multiple states, that culture is really, really difficult to achieve. And and support of your providers is really difficult to achieve because they're kind of like islands out there, you know, on their own in a lot of ways. And um, and that that makes it very, very difficult to kind of have a cohesive culture. And I, I really appreciated early on the way that MPAC was designed to create uh, levels of support for those in the trenches, you know, out there uh, in the in the facilities, uh, because I hadn't seen that in other organizations, and I've been I've, I've done work with several that uh, have done staffing of nursing homes with nurse practitioners, especially, and I've never seen that kind of an infrastructure build out, which is the exact right way to do it. You know, early on in a company's journey, it's difficult to to make that work financially sometimes because you know the administrative cost and the infrastructure cost is sometimes uh, more than kind of what, you know, the revenue generation can be in the field. And so until you kind of hit that tipping point and, and you have enough growth and enough scale, uh, that that's a big investment. And I, I just appreciated that MPAC was investing that way early and building this company on a very strong foundation. So from there, you know, er, early on in, in the path, I thought it was very intriguing that uh, there was this direction to bring mental health into the organization and to use uh, licensed clinical social workers as not something I had really come across in quite the same way. We had we had done a multi or interdisciplinary team approach to our pop health models that we built in the past, but I thought that that uh, the way that those those two disciplines were being integrated here was really novel and really um, something that um, would be very, very helpful in the nursing home setting. So in my pop health history, it wasn't necessarily nursing home based. And I always felt like that was the forgotten place that I wanted to get to with, with really high quality team-based care. And so when you think about, you know, in, in a lot of my education over the years that I had been doing on a national level and risk management and, and, and medical legal issues revolved around clinical complexity of patients. Uh, and really, uh, you know, we talk about prognosis and just realistic expectations around the very complex nature of, of our patients clinically. But then there was always these aspects of psychological, psychiatric, mental health that layered in on that, whether that was in the form of the diagnosis itself, the lack of treatment that was being given for it, the the real deficits in uh, psychotherapy, you know, a lot of times just prescribing, or the medications that were being used. I mean, a lot of the risk and a lot of the concern I had, and the reason why I was on the soapbox of teaching about prescribing was because there are a lot of medications we use in that in that particular realm that carry a massive amount of risk if they're not understood and used correctly um, in the right doses, the right frequencies, the right combinations. It's it's very challenging. So 
you know, to, to think about the, uh, the possibility of linking these two things, the clinical complexity, the mental health complexity that's inherent in our environments and trying to do something different about that really intrigues me. And I think that that has grown and matured so well uh, in the CoCM model that we're piloting, uh, where we've now are you know using those disciplines and bringing in uh, psychiatric experts into that mix and and kind of thinking about how we want to scale that over time. That's going to be incredibly valuable to this in- environment. Um, and I think you know beyond those two things, my real excitement going forward is is that um, you know this environment was very needy. This, this long-term care setting was really underserved um, and, and high risk and high need back before the pandemic. Since the pandemic, it is a completely different world. And I think the world has changed in such a way that it makes MPAC even more valuable and more relevant than it was prior to the pandemic. Um, but I don't think we're ever going back to where things used to be. There are going to be staffing challenges in this setting that are going to be significant for years to come. I heard, I saw one recent statistic that they're thinking it may be at least 10 years before we get back on track with the staffing deficits in the nursing home space. The population's still aging. There's still massive need, you know, and I work for a health system, always trying to reduce unnecessary utilization of skilled nursing facilities but the numbers keep climbing because uh, the clinical complexity, the clinical needs, the aging population. So there's still a ton of work to be done. And that brings me to, I think, um, you know, where we really have a chance to, to shine and, 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 and do something completely different than what we've done in the past. Not just we, but as an entire uh, healthcare system in this space. And that is the push toward value-based medicine. So you know, what we've known for a long time is that the, for the facilities, as well as the providers, typically revenues shrink over time, they get smaller and smaller, and the margins get thinner and thinner, and the complexity of patients gets higher and higher, and the regular, the regulatory burden gets greater and greater, and you're being asked to do more with less, and that can only go for so long before things just implode, and we're kind of at that, (laughs) at that point, I think, in this long-term care setting. And so, you know, introduce ACOs and value-based type arrangements. And all of a sudden you can introduce uh, not only the potential of new revenue streams, uh, but I think more importantly, the alignment of values and incentives for all these parties that typically had a different vested interest. They, they, they all had something that they wanted to get out of this, you know, uh, and they're all kind of looking at their own bottom lines and trying to survive. And now you kind of look at this and align everyone's eyes to the same goal, which is great patient experience, great patient outcomes, reduced overall cost, the triple aim. Um, And I think that represents a really unique opportunity for the facilities we partner with, for groups like MPAC uh, to to really... uh, do what's right for patients, not be strapped to fee-for-service revenue opportunities, but to start to 
build, and I've seen this, I've seen this firsthand in the past in population health where you, you know, you get dollars uh, for good outcomes and for doing good work and, and, and high patient experience and satisfaction. And, and it starts to co totally change the way you approach patient care because you have the bandwidth now and the partnerships to do really what's needed uh, to get people the best care uh, that they can they can have. So that's what excites me the most, I think, going forward about MCARE, uh, MPAC is that is that um, that trajectory that we're on. Yeah, this is this is a very exciting year. Um, overall, we continue to be fortunate enough to <clears throat> find high quality, both nurse practitioners and licensed mental health clinicians to join our team. There's lots and lots of patient needs out there. And with with the rollout of the, you know, the COCM or behavioral care program, as we're calling it, and our you know, first step into value-based care via the, the sound long-term care management ACO. Um, I believe that, you know, MPAC a year from now is going to look very, very different and look like it's going to look like what we intended it to be now almost 10 years ago. This is finally things sort of tipping toward what we've been aiming for, which is really, really exciting. And so I'm, I'm grateful, obviously, for, for you being a part of our, our team and helping us lead us through so many different things. And then obviously to all the clinicians who um, who choose to make MPAC, you know, their, their professional home. And, um, and yeah, it's very, very exciting to see this team grow in, in the way it has and, and, um, and, you know, the benefits that we're gonna be able to bring to to the patients that, you know, we get to serve. Yeah, no, that's very well said. And uh, I, I will say, I, I don't want to end without just saying thank you to all of our providers. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been exactly where you're at. I can't probably speak to the, the LCSW side as much from a personal professional background, but I, I've been in these settings. I, I know what it is you're all doing day to day. I know the investment that you've made professionally to be here. Um, I know the ups and the downs that you experience, you know, uh, in this setting and the challenges that you face. I just want to say thank you for the work that you do. I want you to know that although uh, this setting has been forgotten, uh, when I when I when I changed my aspirations from ophthalmology to nursing home medicine, I fell off the radar. Um, th this is one of those areas that just is a forgotten area of medicine. It's very misunderstood. There's a lot of uh, negative bias toward those of us who've chosen to kind of make this our, our life's calling and ambition. But I promise you that's changing. As eyes turn to this setting um, and, and everyone uh, knows that we need to make advances, uh, we, we need to, to correct some of the, the gaps and deficits of this, this long-term care, post-acute care setting for the sake of patients, for the sake of um, you know overall cost to Medicare and things that are just not going to be sustainable if we don't. So eyes are turning this direction, and I'm really excited to be kind of at the forefront of that with MPAC. And I want you all to know that your work doesn't go under unrecognized. And um, you know we take care of uh, very needy populations, uh, very underserved populations, and. Um, you know, I just appreciate everything that you do and the investment you've made in them and in MPAC. Thanks so much, Sean, again, for taking the time for being a part of the team. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you for the time, Tim. Bye. Talk to you soon.